Father, we want to thank you for tonight. Thank you for the privilege we have to be alive and to study your word. I pray and I thank you for this opportunity. I ask that you will open up our understanding as we look into your word. Let it be a blessing to us and not only to us, but to many others whom you will bring our way. I pray for all those who are here to join the call that you will bring everyone here in a heart to receive and to be blessed by the power of your word. I give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I can hear Lorna and was that Shemuel or Star? It was Star. It was Star. Okay, great. So we're beginning a a new study in the book of Mark. Uh, For some time now, we've been reading the book of Mark in our daily Bible readings. And I just wanted us to go through and see what we can learn from the book of Mark. So I'd ask that you pick up your Bibles, wherever your Bible is, and I'm sure you should have a a notepad and a pen uh, that you can take notes. Um, But we'll essentially just start reading from Mark chapter 1, from verse 1 going, and then we'll begin to talk about it and discuss it, see what the Lord will teach us. Amen. So I'm reading from Mark chapter 1. Um, verse 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Amen. So that was from verse 1 to verse 3. Just want us to talk about this briefly and then let's see what the Lord um, has for us. The beginning of the good news. What what do you understand by good news when we say good news about Jesus, uh, Vanessa? Um, the gospel, like his, like the Bible? Yeah. The Bible, the gospel, the Bible, the gospel. So gospel essentially means good news. And why why we call it good news is because uh, of the very bad news that came to us as a result of sin. When, when, human, when man sinned, when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says we fell short of the glory of God. So if all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, so that there was no way that we could come to know God. There was no way that we could have a relationship with God. Uh, there was no connection between us and God. The Bible actually says we were lost without God in the world. We were separated far away from him. And the, what made it so bad was that the whole of human race was polluted by the sin of Adam. So that there was no way we could be saved. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, the Son of God, uh, decided to obey the Father and offer himself up as our substitute. So that the punishment for our sin, which was death, Jesus took our place. 
And so the bad news turned into good news that, hey, look, Jesus is coming to take our place so that we can have fellowship again with God the Father. And that's why it says the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. The Messiah is a, is, is, a, is a big word there that means the Christ, Jesus the Christ, or Jesus the Anointed One, the One chosen by God. And not only that, He is also the Son of God. And I want us to talk briefly about, about this, um, that Jesus Christ was fully man, and then He is also fully God. Um, how are we able to explain that? Um, Jesus Christ is fully man and fully God. Yeah. How do you understand that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm sure you believe it. Yeah. See, it's, it's one of the important um, teachings in the Bible. A lot of people struggle with it because it's hard for our little minds to understand. And, and it should be so, because how can our little mind understand God, right? Um, God is so big, and, and, and so, in fact, if we can understand God, then he ceases to be God. The Bible actually says that his ways are past finding out, which means that it is beyond understanding. You can't really understand God. I mean, look at how difficult it is to even understand yourself. Uh, how much more God? Sometimes you go through emotions, you don't even know why you're going through those emotions. And, and it's hard for you to even understand yourself. With all the advancement in science and technology, still, there is a great part of the human body that scientists still haven't been able to figure out. You talk of the human brain, for instance. Still, they don't even have any clue how the human brain uh, functions. Right. If, if you've seen maps of various parts of a human brain, they are just shown as circles that highlight various areas of activity in in the human brain, and that is because it's hard for scientists to even understand and comprehend our little brain. And how much more can we comprehend this great God? whom even the angels are finding difficult to understand. You know, so we have to come to terms uh, as people of faith with the truth that as much as we will try to explain uh, who God is, there is a certain aspect of God you can't really explain. And, and that is what demands us to worship him, you know, because he's so awesome. He's so big, he's so um, incomprehensible that what it demands is for us to just fall down on our faces and worship him. So Jesus Christ, he is the Messiah, the one who has come to save us, but he's also the son of God. So he's a son of man, he's fully man, and then he's also fully God. And that is the good news that we have okay um so we have one person that just joined us uh, who, who is this 
Hello. Who just joined the call? Oh, it's me, Anel. Anel, you're welcome. You're welcome. So we're just talking about uh, Jesus Christ. We started reading the book of Mark, Mark chapter 1. We read from verse 1 to 3. And um, Anel, are you there with Judah? Yeah. All right. Hi, Judah. So I, I will continue. Now I'll ask that um, you mute your phones, and then when I ask a question, you unmute yourself and then and then talk. Okay. All right. So Mark chapter one. Reading verse 2, he says, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. But here he's talking about John the Baptist, because right after verse 3, if you jump to verse 4, he says, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came, there was a prophecy by Isaiah the prophet that a voice will come before Jesus comes. There'll be someone who will be coming before Jesus and will be preaching the message, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And this is striking to me that the Bible oftentimes prophesies and speaks about events hundreds and hundreds of years before it happens and it actually happens you know, uh, what what does this tell us about our belief in the bible as the word of god uh, what do you think anel okay all right so Hi, Anel. Yeah, hi. Did you hear my question? No. So, Isaiah the prophet prophesied that John the Baptist will come before Jesus. And John the Baptist coming on the scene will begin to preach, saying, prepare the way for the Lord and make yeah. his path straight. And we yeah. see that happening. He prophesied about 100 years uh, hundreds of years ago, and it, it has happened. What does this tell you about uh, our faith in the Bible as the Word of God? Um, the, I guess the, the, the prophecies within the Bible stay consistent, and they get accomplished. In a right. Sense. So right. it's just that we're not just believing in hopes. It's proven within its Word. So, yeah. Exactly. Like, for example... Like for example the things that Jesus did, yeah. it was already like mentioned in the Bible from before because prophets said it from before. And all the things that were mentioned from those prophets were accomplished. Yeah. So our faith is just not a hoax. Right. Exactly. And, and that's, that's such a strong point for us to remember. You know, I mean, there, there are people who could write books and, and other things. People can write great thoughts, great philosophies and things. But how many people do we know who can accurately tell 
of what is about to happen hundreds and hundreds of years before it happens and it happens exactly the way it's told for instance it was mentioned about jesus where he will be born yeah right and 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 that was like 700 years before he was born it it talked about how he will be given birth to by a virgin isaiah this same isaiah prophesied that a virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son right and his name shall be called wonderful counselor prince of peace mighty god everlasting father this is like hundreds and hundreds of years before in in if you read the book of micah micah also prophesied how jesus will enter into jerusalem on a donkey right and that happens exactly as the bible prophesied and that to me convinces me that the bible is more than just a little book somewhere it's more than just somebody's thoughts put together it's mm-hmm. a divine book it's god's word to us which we do well if we hold on firmly to it as it really is you see? And, also and, so- with the, uh, and also with the fact that the bible is made by different people it's not by the same person it's not by the same person exactly different people yeah. yeah, to make it more this like, I guess more belief like, I don't know the word for it, but the fact that it's made by different authors who prophesize the same thing is yeah. kind of it speaks kind of, to its it speaks to its divine origin. Yeah. Yeah. So so exactly as we're seeing here in in Mark chapter one, verse uh, two to verse four. He's talking about how it was prophesied John the Baptist will somebody will come preparing the way for the Lord. Now I want us to to shift our attention a bit and look at the message that John the Baptist came and he was preaching. He said, "Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him." Why do you think that it's important that the way for the Lord is prepared? Do you, get, do you get my question? Yeah. Why was it why was it important at all for God's way or Jesus's way to be prepared? Um I have someone else who has joined the call 7544. Can you introduce yourself please? Hello? Yeah, hello. Yeah, it's Nick. Nick, you're welcome. So we're just talking about uh, Jesus in the book of Mark, how John the Baptist prepared the way before the Lord. And I just asked the question, why was it important that John um, had to prepare the way for the Lord? And what can we learn for, from it? Is it so that people can <laughs> to accept him? or accept them, or yeah, accept Christ into their lives? Yes, so that people can accept Christ into their lives. And and what will that mean for us then today? For those of us who want to encounter Jesus, we want to have a certain relationship with Jesus. What does it really tell us? We have to make way for him. We have to make way for him. We have to prepare the way for the Lord to come into our lives, to 
to, to come and, and relate with us. You know, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. You see, Jesus doesn't force himself on us. And it's, it, otherwise, everybody in the whole world will know him. But it's not everyone that knows him, as we saw when we were at youth camp. It's only those who diligently seek him. When you are diligently seeking him, what you are doing is you are preparing the way for the Lord. You are making his path straight so that he could just come to you. You know, as, as, as you seek him, as, as you try to straighten up your life. He says, make his path straight. As you try to straighten up your life and, and put things right and correct certain things in your life that you know and you are convicted by the Holy Spirit that this is not really a way that will allow Jesus to relate with me. And as you straighten those ways, you make way for the Lord Jesus to come and sit with you, relate with you, have a relationship with you. So I think we can learn from John the Baptist's ministry when he began to declare like a voice in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Okay, now we're going to go on. And Nick, I will ask you to read Mark chapter 1, read from verse 5 to verse 8. Mark chapter 1 from verse 5 to verse 8. So all of us on the call, I, I, I ask that we all turn our Bibles to Mark chapter 1, because I'll be calling you to read various portions. All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food he ate locust and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to sit down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Now, before we talk about this, I just want to say, at any point as we're going through this uh, discussion, if you have any question, just stop me, okay? Stop me and ask okay. me any question that you may have as we are reading the text. Um, okay. It's just a discussion, so yeah, feel free to stop me at any point and ask any question you want. Now, just looking at the scripture that Nick has read for us, look, look out, look at the clothing that John wore. His clothing, verse six, his clothing was made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate his food. Now, look at his food. He ate locusts and wild honey. Yeah, that's John the Baptist, the one who is preparing the way for the master. Look at the simplicity of his life, right? He's wearing clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. I want us to think about that for a moment, okay? And let's begin to ask ourselves um, if you were asked the question, looking at how John appeared, 
if you were asked, what do you think, as far as John the Baptist was concerned, were the most important things in his life? What were some oh. of the things that you will not say was important to John? Um, like riches. riches. Oh. Like riches. Riches. Yeah. And then who else? Materialistic things. Materialistic things. Right. And then what else? Um, what people think, I guess. Yep. What people think. Um, his appearance. His appearance. His appearance. How about the food that he ate? <laughs> he ate locusts and wild honey. I mean, I don't know how many of us would, would eat locusts, and I don't think the Bible is telling us to go eat locusts. <laughs> but, but, but I think it's telling us something significant about people who devote themselves to seek the Lord, to prepare the way for the master. You know, when you are so engulfed in desiring after Jesus, in seeking for him, in preparing the way for him to come into your heart, to come into your life, to be your master, to be your Lord, right? The, something changes about you. It's not that you appear shabbily or you really don't care how you appear, but it doesn't become your primary focus, right? Your primary focus is how you can please the master so that it's not even about the kind of food you eat anymore. You know, Jesus himself, later on as we go through this study, you would realize that there was a point in Jesus' life that he even valued pleasing his father more than eating food, right? So that he could go the whole day not eating any food because he was so busy doing the work of his father. Now, of course, that doesn't mean we should... Um, go ahead and starve ourselves. But it tells us that if sometimes we can say, okay, today I'm going to be home. I'm just going to stay in my room and read my Bible, play some worship songs. I'm not going to eat. I'm just going to devote this time to be with the Lord. I'm preparing the way for the master to come into my life. You know, as, as you do that, you are making a very bold statement to Jesus that I want you. I really desire for you. I really want everything you have for me. And that's how come John really qualified to be the one to herald the coming of Jesus and, and declaring that prepare the way of the Lord. Okay. Now, I, I don't know if anybody has any question or contribution before we move on to verse 7. Mm, wait, I have a question. Okay. But it it's it, it's not according to like the scripture that we just read. It's just according mm -hmm. to like John's lifestyle. Death. So, do you believe John had like dreads or something like dreads? Right. Uh, I know where yeah. that is coming from, because John um, was also considered to be a Nazarite, right? And the Nazarites mm -hmm. had a vow that, um, like Samuel, Samuel the prophet was a Nazarite. Um, Samson was also a Nazarite. The Nazarites had a vow that they, they were not to shave their hair ever. Their hair was dedicated to the Lord. And that's how come when Samson shaved his hair, um, he, he, he sort of broke his covenant with God. 
through that vow. And then it is believed that John the Baptist was, uh, was sort of also like that. The Bible doesn't clearly tell us that um, uh, he didn't shave his hair, but that is the belief. So uh, as to whether he had dreadlocks or not, I really can't say. But if he did, it will be because of a Nazarite vow, which is, which is in, in applying that vow to ourselves, what it essentially means is I am devoting my life to the Lord. And as a symbol of that, I am not going to shave my hair. Okay. And, and for us, it may not mean um, that we will not shave our hair, but it may mean I'm not going to do certain things that is okay for other people to do, but um, I won't do because my life is devoted to Jesus. Does okay. that help? Yeah, because I just wanted to understand, like, why do dreads have such a negative, like, perception? Yeah, perception. Right. I think a lot of it is, is, is because of culture. A lot of it is because of culture. We come from a culture that um, is not so favorable to that appearance. Um, and so when we see it, we, we frown. We frown at it. But if you are coming from a culture where that is normal, they won't frown at it, right? Um, I think it's more important a person's relationship with Jesus in their heart um, than what they look on the outside, personally. Uh, that's what mm -hmm. I believe, and, and that's what I believe the Bible also is consistent with. When your heart is transformed, how you look on the outside will not become uh, a primary focus of who you are. Mm -hmm. you know? Now, having said that, it doesn't mean also that uh, I, I can go about and say, look, I, I belong to Jesus, doesn't matter how I look, and so I dress and uh, I'm almost half naked. Right? No. When when true faith is in your heart, we will see it in your life. Okay. Any mm -hmm. other question before we move on? Okay. So we'll move to verse seven and look at um, something that John the Baptist said. Very very profound. He says, and this was his message: After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Okay, he says after me. So he's talking about someone coming after him. Now remember, he's coming as one who is heralding the coming of Jesus. He's proclaiming, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Okay, and now he's beginning to declare the one whose way I am preparing who is coming after me, he is more powerful than I am. And I am not even worthy to untie the, the lace of his shoes. Now, pause and think about that for a moment. And I want you to tell me, um, Nick, the question is for you, Nick. Why did John think that he was not worthy just even untie the the lace of Jesus's shoes. Because Jesus is the Son of God. Because Jesus is the Son of God. Because Jesus is the Son of God. You see, for the people who are around, who just saw Jesus, 
they would see him just as a mere man. They would see him just as a mere man. And so without that understanding that, look, Jesus is, yes, he's a man, but he's also the son of God, which means that he's God himself, right? And, and, and I mean, having said that, let me just say this. It, it gets confusing when we begin to talk and say, Jesus is the son of God, and that means he's God. If people begin to think that Jesus is the father. No, Jesus is not the father. Jesus is the son. He is to be distinguished from God the father. And the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is also to be distinguished from God the Father and God the Son. And that is the Trinity. But there is one God. There is not three gods. Okay? And it's confusing again, um, I'm sure, in our mind to try to understand this. Remember what I said at the beginning. If we even have a hard time understanding ourselves and our, and our frame of, frame, uh, framework and our makeup, how much more trying to understand God. And that is why we worship him. That is why we fall down on our faces and worship him. That is why the, all the angels and the hosts of heaven up until today, they are still worshiping him because he is great. He's awesome. There is one God, but there are three personalities in the Godhead. And that is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And in this scripture, we are seeing God the Son, Jesus Christ, taking the form of a man, coming on earth for one reason. Remember in verse 1, it says the good news of Jesus Christ. So he's coming for one purpose, which is to take our place and die for our sins so that we could be restored back to God. And John realizes that this man who is coming after him He's more than a man. He's the son of God. He's not worthy to untie even the lace of his shoe. What should this tell us about our attitude towards Jesus, Anel? Um, this shows that God, um, I guess having a relationship with God is not a joke because God is really holy, and if you actually take into account who God actually is, you shouldn't play around with him by exactly. doing petty things and stuff like that. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so true. That's so, so on point, Anel. God bless you. See, it's, it's so easy for us to take God for granted. It's so easy, especially when Jesus has come down to our level you know, and has become like one of us so that he can restore us back to God. And we, we are asking for a relationship with Jesus so that we can relate to him. It's so easy to take that for granted and almost forget that, hey, you are actually dealing with God, right? And so we should not at any point lose our respect and reverence for Jesus, the Son of God. John is saying, even the lace of his shoes, I am not even worthy to untie, right? And so as we try to connect to Jesus and relate to him, let us keep in mind, look, he is God. Let us worship him. Let us respect him. Let us give him all the honor that he deserves. Amen. Uh, there's, one more, there's one more person who has joined us. Well, it's one but three of us. 
but three of you. Okay, who are those? Yeah. It's Irina, Beverly, and myself. Irina, Mikayla. Beverly, and Michaela. Yeah. Awesome. God bless you for joining. We're in Amen. the book of Mark, Mark chapter 1. We are now going to verse 8. John the okay, Baptist talking about Jesus. And in verse 8, you want to read for us, um, Vanessa. Read Mark chapter 1, verse 8. Okay, um, chapter 8, reading verse 8. Yeah, verse 8. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. I love this verse. I uh, I mean, I could talk about this verse for like how many minutes and go on and on and on. I baptize you with water, but he, talking about Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, those of you just joined, I said, at any point in time, you can stop me, okay, and ask any question because we okay. want to have a discussion. So you can stop me at any point. If I say anything that triggers anything in your mind, you can stop me and ask a question. Now let's okay. talk about this scripture. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John the Baptist, now if we go back to verse um, 4, verse 4, you could see, it says, And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And if add verse 5, then the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So obviously, John is talking about verse 4 and 5 in verse 8 when he says, I baptize you with water. Now, looking at what we just read in verse 4 and 5, what, would, what do you have to say about baptism in water, um, Michaela? Um, just give me a second. Okay. So, based on form five, what does baptism mean? Yes, baptism in water. Um, I guess it's like a cleansing because it says like they began to like confessing their sins. Or right, right. Uh, that, that's right. It, but water baptism has to do with uh, a repentance of our sins. So it's, it's symbolic, you know. When we come to faith in Jesus, what we are saying is that I am not righteous. I am a sinner. There's no way I could please God on my own. Jesus Christ came, took my place, died for me. Because I believe in what he has done for me, God then takes the righteousness of Jesus because Jesus was perfect. He never sinned. He was righteous before God. God takes his righteousness and puts it on me so that when God now sees me, he sees me as though I'm as righteous as Jesus is righteous. Right? And that's what we call salvation. Now, because it's an act of faith, Jesus commanded us, instructed us that anyone who believes in me who 
exchanges their sin for my righteousness by their faith in me, I want them to be baptized in water. And that signifies when you are put into the water, you put under the water, what you are saying to the whole world is, look, I believe Jesus Christ died for me and was buried, and I am identifying with him in his death for me. So when they put you under the water, you are being buried with Jesus, right? And when you are raised out of the water, what you are saying to the whole world is, I believe Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He was resurrected, and I am identifying with his resurrection. And so you are raised from the water, just like Jesus was raised from the dead. When that happens, if you read Romans chapter 6, and I'll give that to you as, as a homework, you can go and read about water baptism in Romans chapter 6. It, it explains to us that when that happens, we are raised, when we are raised from the water, we are raised into a new life. Okay, we are raised now, we no longer are to live like before, but we are to live in a new life. And that is where what John is saying picks up in a new profound meaning. He says, I baptize you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You know, and John is hinting to us that being baptized in water is great. It's a good experience, but it shouldn't end there. There is another experience that we are supposed to have. You know, when you're raised from the water into a new life, that new life, the only way to live that new life victoriously is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Abide in me and my words in you, for without me you can do nothing. And that's why most of the time we struggle trying to live right. We struggle trying to please God. We struggle trying to, to do the things that we know God wants us to do. Because in our own self, we don't have the power to obey God. But Jesus comes to baptize us with the Holy Spirit to give us that power to do just that. I mean, can someone read Acts chapter 1 verse 8? You know, we're reading Mark 1 8 here. But can someone turn to Acts chapter 1 and read verse 8 for us? Or who knows what's in Acts 1 8? Um. I'll read it. Okay, go ahead. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Amen. Amen. You will receive power. Power. After the Holy Spirit comes upon you, that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, baptized, you receive power, and then you will be my witnesses. To be a witness in that in the in the word that is used as witness, it's like you will be my representatives. You know, I mean, it's a big thing if if I am, for instance, the representative of uh, Justin Trudeau, right? If if all Canada recognizes me as a representative of the prime minister. I'm not a small man. Don't you think so? When, mm -hmm. when, when I'm the representative of Donald Trump, 
as much as people don't <laughs> like him. But uh, if, if the whole world identifies that I am his representative, all of a sudden I begin to get some respect and I begin to enjoy some privileges, right? Think about being the representative of God Almighty who created everything. So this encounter with the Holy Spirit transforms you in a way that in the spirit realm, you all of a sudden become a person of authority. Demons begin to respect you because they see you with power. And it's not power from yourself, but power coming from the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, if we read verse 9 to verse 11, we will begin to see Jesus himself going through this baptism in water and baptism with the Holy Spirit. Mark chapter 1 verse 9 to verse 12. Vanessa, Vanessa, can you read no, no, wait, wait, wait. Let Judah do it. Let Judah do it. Okay, Judah. Okay, Judah, read for me. Read what? Mark chapter 1, verse 9 to verse 11. Uh, okay. Uh, one day, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. The Spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. Where he was yeah, let's stop there. Oh, okay. Let's stop there. So, thank you. Thank you, Judah. You're welcome. It says, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. I mean, Pastor Isaac is in Israel right now as i speak and and one of the places they'll be going to is the jordan river right so all these things that we read of in the bible is real it's it actually happened and all those places are there as we speak so jesus goes to john in the jordan river to be baptized and as jesus was being baptized he was put into the water now coming up out of the water he saw the heavens being torn open and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And the dove is a symbol of the Holy Spirit to speak of his being a gentle spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is a gentle spirit. It doesn't force himself on us. And you see, that's why when we, are at camp, we were at camp, if you guys remember, I was talking to you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. A lot of the times people are thinking the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you begin to lose control of yourself. No. The Holy Spirit is a gentle spirit. It's, it's demons and evil spirits that try to take control of people against their own will. But not the Holy Spirit. He's a gentle spirit. He, you will experience him as much as you allow him. You know, that's how God deals with us. So he's descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. You know? It's only when the Holy Spirit came upon him, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, empowered him, then the Father began to, began to say, I am pleased with you, my son. What does this tell us about us trying to please God without the power of the Holy Spirit? Irina. 
Well, we're in different rooms now, so I think Irina's going to call on her own. They're struggling to find it, but they're coming. They're coming, okay. Yeah. Oh! We have uh, somebody else who has joined the call. Uh, try and identify yourself. It's me. It's Beverly. Oh, Beverly. And How I'm are you? I'm trying to get on right now. Oh, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good, good, good. Okay. So, the question that I asked, who wants to try and answer it? Good question. So I'll say it again. Looking at Jesus, he, he comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit comes on him like a dove, and then a voice comes and says, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. That voice came after the Holy Spirit had come upon him. And what should it tell us when we are trying to please God without the power of the Holy Spirit? It's impossible. It's impossible. It's it's impossible. It's like it's like trying to uh, fetch a uh, fill up the bathtub with with a, a basket basket that has holes in it. It's it's just a futile effort. Trying to please God in your own strength, you might as well forget it. And that is why, you know, when you don't take time to kneel before God in the morning when you wake up and ask God to help you through the day to please Him, you are just up for being beaten by the devil. You know, you you have to constantly depend on him. That was one thing that Jesus did that enabled him to please the Father. Right? If we read um Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Can someone read Hebrews 5 verse 8? <laughs> Let's let's start from verse seven. Okay. Um. Oh, it says, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and 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 tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Amen. Amen. Amazing. Amen. This is Jesus, the Son of God. During the days of his life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries. I mean, not, not like those five-minute prayers that we pray or sleeping pill prayers. You know what I call sleeping pill prayers? Um, prayers that you yeah. never finish. You finish in your dreams. Right? <laughs> Jesus wasn't praying those kind of sleeping pill prayers. Jesus prayed with such cries and tears, you know. Jesus wept in his prayers. He cried. He, he, he was crying out loud. Why? Because he was praying for God to save him from death. You know, what, it's not, what, that wasn't the death on the cross. Jesus wasn't praying for God to save him from the death on the cross. That was really why he came. He came to die. But this kind of death that he was crying for God to save him from was death that came as a result of sin. The Bible says for the wages of sin is what? Death. And so remember Jesus was fully man. He was man even though he was the son of God. He was still capable of sinning because he had taken 
the human nature. We are taking the human form. And so every day before Jesus will go out, he will have to pray to the Father, today, don't help me through the power of the Holy Spirit so I don't sin against you. And he cried with tears to be saved from the sin that brings death. I mean, I can imagine Jesus going to pray the whole day, praying for people to be healed. They are healed from their sickness. Demons are cast out from them. He raises his hand and people are healed. The miracles happening all over the place. People are running after him. I mean, don't you think he will feel like he's a great person? He'll all of a sudden have some feelings of pride in him. And Jesus will quickly run away from the people, kneel before his father and cry out to him. I don't want to be taken by the sin of pride. Help me. Help me, God. And he'll cry out to God. And so what we were seeing in Mark, in Mark chapter 1, verse 8, what we're seeing there is Jesus relying completely on the Holy Spirit to help him live the victorious life that is free from sin. And I don't think you and I can succeed without relying on the Holy Spirit. I want to pause here for questions. Any question at all that you have from what we have discussed? If you don't ask a question, I'll ask you one. Okay, so I'm going to ask a question to Vanessa. <laughs> Vanessa, I'm going to ask you a question. What one thing have you learned today? That you can't please God without the Holy Spirit. Right, you can't please God without the Holy Spirit. How about Anel? What have you learned today? Um, that you don't have to, like, once you're connected to God, you don't care about a lot of things, like, for example, riches and stuff like that. If you're really pursuing God, then you don't really care about it. Right. Right. That's true. How about Nick? What have you learned today? Um, uh, sometimes we don't really know who we're dealing with. When it comes to Jesus, sometimes mm. we just view him as a man. Mm. That's so true. Judah, what did we learn today? <laughs> Judah, what did you learn today? Yes, Judah, tell us what you've learned today. Well, what I learned today is that uh, when you're praying, you should take, you should treat God with all your heart, and you shouldn't, you shouldn't worry about what others may think or what you have. That uh, with Jesus, that you already have enough, so you should devote all your time to Him. Right. Like Jesus pray, crying with tears. And then, I mean, you know, guys, just on the side, based on what you just said, you, do you know, no, you think about this. Jesus went somewhere to pray. He went in the fields to pray. And he went away from his disciples. And he comes back and his disciples have one request of him. And that request was, um, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? Right? Now, when I look at that, I begin to ask myself, 
I don't think that when Jesus was praying, when the disciples could not see him, that he was so silent and quiet. I mean, I, I believe Jesus did pray silent prayers, but I think oftentimes his prayers were loud that people could hear him from afar in a way that his disciples who were not with him while he was praying were like, what kind of praying is this? Uh, that's not how I've been praying. This man's prayer seemed to be of a, a different kind. And so when he comes, he said, can you teach us to pray? No wonder we saw in Hebrews that he was praying with loud crying and tears. Now, of course, that is not to say you wake up in the night and begin to scream at home. Mom or dad will come get you and say, what's up with you? But when sometimes we gather together at church and we're praying, let's not be shy like Judah is saying. Let's just go all out and cry out to God and pray to God. i tell you one thing that I learned today. Um, I've learned that I have to totally depend on the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life. And uh, like I talked to you at camp, one of the ways you can really do that by praying in the Holy Spirit. I do that every day. Make sure I pray in the Holy Spirit before I leave my room, before I get out to go to work. You should make that a habit. You wake up, spend time praying the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit till you feel his presence, till his power comes on you. As you get out, you realize there's something different about me today. See, and then you are becoming like Jesus, depending on God to live a life that pleases him. Amen. We're going to stop here. It's 8.58. We're going to stop here. We, we studied up to verse what? Verse, verse 11, actually. We, were, we read up to verse 11, where a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love. Uh, next week, we'll continue from verse 12. And there are amazing things, really, in the book of Mark that um, we're going to unpack. Um, what I want us all to do next week, try and bring someone who was not on the call today to join, okay? Could one of our youth who wasn't on, could be, it could be a friend of yours. They don't have to be. They don't have to be with us in the church. Be anyone. Just tell them we're having Bible discussion. You can ask any question at all. Try and bring someone on the call next week. Okay. Okay. All right. And um, spend some time to read through Mark chapter one, the remaining verses, so that as we talk about it, I'm sure you already will have questions if you have read about it, and I'm sure God will bless all of us. All right, I'll ask um, Michaela to Lorna. pray. Who is, uh, <laughs> Lorna wants to pray. Who, Lorna? Yeah. I did say that. <laughs> Lorna, can okay, you pray I'll... for us? Okay, I'll pray. Great. Everyone close their eyes. Okay. <laughs> Our eyes are closed. Okay. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the um the 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 lesson we learned today thank you for blessing us and thank you for bringing us on the phone to listen to your word oh lord as we go to sleep i i pray that you bless us and keep us into your mighty hands any plans of the enemy we destroy in the name of jesus in jesus name i pray amen mm -hmm.
Amen. Amen. Wait, guys, 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 guys. Yeah. Okay. 